Hurdlers, Emily Avati here with episode 73 of Hurdle, a podcast that talks to everyone from entrepreneurs to top CEOs and athletes about how they've gotten through tough times, hurdles of sorts, by leaning into wellness. I can't believe we're at episode 73. These numbers are really tripping me out. Uh, today's episode is with D. Murthy. He's the co-founder of Menlo Club and Young and Reckless, both California-based clothing brands, in addition to a slew of other things, but uh, we'll get to that in just a moment. Before I do, shout out to today's sponsor, Athletic Greens. Containing 75 proven vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients, it's my go-to insurance policy that helps me start my day off right. They are offering Hurdle listeners a super awesome deal. It's 20 travel packs, a $79 value, absolutely free with your first purchase. Just head on over to athleticgreens.com slash hurdle. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash hurdle to get yours today. No code necessary. Today's episode is also brought to you by Whoop. If you follow me on Instagram and that's at Emily Abadi, then you know that I have been loving getting to know more about myself and my training through the wrist-worn heart rate monitor. Whoop gives me super helpful insights into recovery and strain and sleep. And to be honest, I am pretty hooked. They're giving Hurdle listeners a free Whoop Strap 3.0, as well as 15% off any Whoop membership with the code HURDLE. Just go to whoop.com, that's W-H-O-O-P.com, and use the code HURDLE at checkout to get 15% off and optimize the way you train. All right, so D, the guy wears a lot of hats. He's at the helm of 5-4 Group, which is the holding company for a slew of fashion brands. He's also a podcaster. You can find him over on his show Detour, as well as one of my personal favorites that I've mentioned here on the pod before called Group Chat. Group Chat is thrice weekly, three times a week. (laughs) It's a news podcast that he does with his brother Anand and Chris Drama Path, where nothing is off limits. I think literally in the show bio, it says something like from DUIs to IPOs in terms of subjects. And I just really dig their no BS approach. Also, D's got an activewear company called Grand AC in the 5-4 portfolio. So yeah, the guy isn't busy at all. I recorded with D when I was in LA, selfishly again, because like I said, I'm a huge fan of the shows that he does, and I just thought that it would be a good time and a good conversation. In today's episode, D tells me all about how he got to this position in charge of a lot of these big brands. We chat about the hard work and the late nights and the networking and all of the opportunity cost that comes with doing something that you really love. We also talk about how when he first met his now wife, he wasn't, as he says, super mature or ready to be in the relationship. And going through that, in addition to managing the financial crisis and building all these businesses, it was really overwhelming for him. He was flipping through a magazine one day and saw an advertisement for a triathlon and figured, hey, maybe now is the time that doing something like this would be a good call. And so through training for that, it helped him get on track, get his ducks in a row, we talk about what he says is the single best thing he's done in his career, which is the run club that goes along with that activewear line, Grand AC. We chat about how that's changed him as a business person. And uh, like I said, it's just a really good, fun convo. D is a no holding back sort of guy. He's the kind of person that tells you what's on his mind and offers up the advice that we probably all need to hear. And so I think you guys are really going to dig it. 
As always, you know the drill. As you are listening today, tag me over at Hurdle Podcast on Instagram. Let me know what you like, what your takeaways are. If you have a hurdle moment of your own to share or just want to say what's shaken, hit me up at emily at hurdle.us. And if you're in the New York City area and want to connect IRL in real life, this week. I'm doing a live podcast tomorrow night, Tuesday, September 17th at Trellis Health with Hearst Chief Fashion Director Aya Kanai. Click on over to the episode description and make sure to RSVP. (sighs) That was a lot. With that, let's get to hurdling. Today, I'm sitting down with Dee Murthy. Dee, how would you like me to introduce you? It's a great question. I don't know. You do a lot of things. Um, I would say fashion entrepreneur. Okay. <laughs> what are some of the brands you're <laughs> entrepreneuring behind? <laughs> <laughs> uh, our first brand is a brand that we started 17 years ago called Five Four, that has morphed into a subscription service called the Menlo Club. Under that, we have New Republic, which is a shoe brand, Grand Athletic Club, which is our activewear brand, and then um, we also uh, co-own a streetwear brand called Young and Reckless. And we are currently incubating a half a dozen new brands at all different price points, all different categories, just to kind of find our next generation of brands we're going to grow. It's a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. Okay, so background on how I'm sitting here. A girlfriend of mine a year and a half ago put me onto Short Story Long. I obviously, from Short Story Long, found Group Chat. Group Chat is your, what? how did you classify it the other day on the show? In terms of what, what how we treat it? How do you, what you what would you just, it's a news podcast that launches three times a week, but I feel like you said news for millennials. Is just, that what you said? I think we might have said something like that. The best way <laughs> to explain it is, it's complex meets Bloomberg with heavy opinions. With heavy opinions <laughs> and some yelling. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of arguing. Yeah. So I listen to group chat all three times every week. Um, you guys came through New York. I was like, I need to come to this meetup, even though I felt as though I was going to be the only woman walking into a group of men, which was pretty much the case. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and now I'm in L.A. and we're sitting here, which is dope. Also, shout out to Phil. Because he hooked us up as yeah. well. So thanks, Phil. If you haven't listened to the Tartar Project, check out D over there. Yeah, he's awesome. So D, you don't just all of a sudden start being an entrepreneur for 8,000 fashion activewear brands at once. So were you always interested in fashion? Not at all. <laughs> Where are you from originally? <laughs> I grew up in a suburb of LA called Granada Hills. Um, it's the equivalent of like any American suburb. Just you play sports. You go to school, yeah. you eat pizzas on Friday. Like it's pretty regular childhood. Yeah. Didn't, had no interest in fashion. Didn't even have interest in fashion in college. Actually was intimidated by the entire shopping process growing up. Why? Probably money. Yeah. Like I had equated looking good to having money. I just didn't think fast fashion probably when I was growing up didn't really exist. You know, it started to exist for women in Forever 21 in the 90s, but it didn't exist for men. Mm. Um, you had stuff like Banana and Gap and Express, but they weren't like so inexpensive that you could buy all your clothes from there. Or at least I couldn't. Um, so I reverted to places like Old Navy or TJ Maxx. And that's where like I ended up getting most of my clothes. So it was more just out of necessity that mm. I had bought clothes, not because I was really into 
the style. But even though you were shopping at these like lower price point places, did you like really care about how you looked or no. not really? My, I look back at my pictures. I was a very poorly dressed individual. <laughs> I had bad taste. Um, I had a lot of bad haircuts. Um, it, was, it was a combination of all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny that I now we dress hundreds of thousands of men all over the world. Yeah, it's very different. <laughs> yeah. But obviously you're not the person that's necessarily like designing what they're putting on their bodies. Yeah, and it's funny is when I started the business, I never viewed myself as a creative person. But today I 100% view myself as a creative person. Yeah. I am I geek out of clothes like a designer does. I'm very involved in the creative process now. But when I started, I didn't know or I thought I didn't know. I didn't have the confidence to think I knew. Mm. But now I've seen so many seasons of so many brands and our own brands, what works, what doesn't work. I've now developed my style and sense of what I think looks good. So I'm able to inject that. Right. Okay. So what did you go to college for? I went to I went to an undergrad business program at USC and I actually was in the entrepreneurship program. So okay. I knew I was going to start a business. And people say a lot of the time, like when you're an entrepreneur, like I knew from a young age that I wanted to like start something. Yeah. Like, did you feel that way? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I always knew that that was going to be a path at some point. So when I, I went to high school in the late nineties and I was interested in finance, I actually honestly always wanted to be an investment banker. Like that was my dream. I felt that that I would be really, really good at. In hindsight, I probably would have gotten way richer if I'd stayed in investment banking. <laughs> I wouldn't have had as much fun, but um, the the cliche it is like the art of putting people together, the art of the deal was something that I was fascinated with. And then I started learning about all these new technology companies in the late 90s, like Yahoo and AOL. And these young entrepreneurs were wildly successful they kind of didn't have experience. They were green. And I was like, oh, my God, the world's changing. As long as you have a good idea and execute it, you could you could actually be that person. And that's when it kind of drove me on the path of entrepreneurship. Okay, so you're graduating college. And how do you, where are you going? I had already started my brand, 5-4, with my business partner. Wow. Senior year of college. So how did that even come to happen? It was a business plan we had to write for USC. We write that business plan. Halfway through this, the year, my partner and I say, let's just do it. It doesn't look that hard. So we actually went, got some T-shirts printed, took them around campus, and sold them to our friends. And so we started spring of 2002. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So it just started out as T-shirts. T-shirts. And uh, while we finished the school year, we finished up our business plan. We ended up winning like best business plan. So we were like, oh, we're going to be successful. We're going to go out and start this business. Maxed out our credit cards to sign up for a trade show that happened in August of 2002 because that's where all the buyers for all the retailers were. So we were like, we have to go. We have to be there. That's where everyone else is. We go there. Terrible experience. Struggled like you wouldn't believe those four days. Had you been to a trade show before to see like what it even would be like? Yeah. So that February, we snuck into Magic <laughs> with some friends and uh, we were we wanted to see for ourselves what it was like. And we were like, okay, we could do this. I okay. don't know why we thought we could do it because that's when the trade show business was booming and you had these huge brands, Calvin, Tommy, Polo, Mega Boots. But we thought we could compete with those people. So you go and those four days are hell. Hell, like write two orders, 
spent the last money we had. My mom had to come fly and bail us out of like a bill we owed. Had to go get lunch for us because we were so broke. Like it was, it was a sad scene. How do you come back from that? We had graduated college. We told everyone we we're going to start this fashion brand. So it was ego. That's, <laughs> what, that's what came back from it. Like we weren't going to tell our friends we failed. Right. We just said, oh, we had a slow start. Okay. And we just continued to do it. And the next, in six months was the next show. Also terrible. Six months the next show, also terrible. Wow. We kept going. And it wasn't until about two and a half years later do we even get the first sense of like, oh my God, this is about to work. So, okay, first of all, talk about a lesson in that. Like yeah. how many times is it going to fail before it's like, okay, yeah. I think something good is happening here. Yeah. But I'm interested because is there no other route to go aside from like the trade show route? Well, in that era, there wasn't. Got it. Today's world is completely different. Yeah. You would... I would never tell anyone to go to a trade show. I would, you would go direct to the consumer. Right. And if you have an engaged audience, you should be able to sell them product. Uh-huh. Um, whereas in, in, in the previous world, there was gatekeepers and the gatekeepers were the retailers. And at the retailers, there were buyers. And those people controlled what got on the floor of Macy's or Bloomingdale's or your local denim shop. Okay. So... After two and a half years, you're like, this feels like something's happening. Yeah. So then what happens? So the first thing that actually happened was we actually got our first investor. Uh, and it was a, by fluke, someone that had gone to my high school 10 years before me uh -huh. and was a retailer and a manufacturer, took a liking to my business partner and I and decided to help us out. For no, we, to this day, we don't know why. He had no reason to help us out. Well, did you even go to him and look for money? I, at one point, I just told him, hey, man, we're struggling. I don't know what to do. And he's like, come meet with me next week, you and your partner. We tell him our whole pitch. And he's like, look, you guys don't have any real talent, but <laughs> I love your tenacity and your aggressiveness and trying to make this work. I think that's the most unique thing you guys have. I've met a lot of people in fashion. That you guys have something special. Took a chance on us. He was launching a new brand with another manufacturer. The two of them actually financed our business. I said, go make whatever you want. And if you sell it, you guys can grow. If not, you're out of business. That's like one of those things you see in a movie and you like dream that someone will do this for you. It's like in New York when I just moved there, I'm like walking around looking at all these beautiful apartments and you see like a Craigslist listing and you're like, maybe if I email this person, they'll take pity on me and put me up in this like yeah. eight grand a month spot yeah. just because it happens in the movies. Yeah. Like it's totally going to happen and for me. I would say that what what we experienced was movie-like Yeah. because the ending was also very dramatic with, with that particular partner. Okay, what happened? They went broke Oh. and we had like 60 days to find a new investor, not even 60, 30 days to find a new investor. That was in 2007. So when the world was falling apart, he, they were falling apart and we knew we had to move fast and find an exit. Luckily, we found who are still to this day our investors. But it all happened from us just going out there and building relationships and connecting with this person that finally said, fuck it, I'll give this guy a shot. What actually right now is happening also in your personal life? Because I know you said there was like a lot of stuff going on at this point. Yeah, I mean, at that point, we were still financially struggling. You know, we're in fashion and you have to live a certain life in fashion. And when you don't have money, it's really, really difficult to do it. And so anything from traveling to going out, it was really challenging. 
Well, luckily we had friends specifically in LA that were in nightlife that kind of took care of us and yeah. allowed us to build our brand through that scene. But the reality was we were just struggling financially, struggling, you know, just to kind of keep our head above water, which is a common thing when you're an entrepreneur, like everything's a struggle. Just getting out of bed's a struggle. And we were just having very little success. And then when the brand finally started having success and we were able to take proper salaries and all of a sudden our confidence went up and we bought some fancy new toys and, and started enjoying life a little bit. And then as soon as that happened, the recession hit and everything that we were, had kind of worked for and built momentum on just disappeared overnight. Yeah. And we were back to square one. The challenge is this time we got a taste of the good life. Yeah. We had taste of living well and traveling and having nice things. And then all of a sudden, pretty much those things are taken away from us. And that's when life just became very difficult because you're, you know, at that point we had, we were 29 years old. We were becoming adults. You know, I think specifically for men, you don't really become an adult till you're like, in your 30s at least yeah and, and even then it's a stretch like, <laughs> at least I, I i i could safely say i didn't feel like a man till like three four years ago you know it's how just old are you now 38 okay it's like uh in terms of like responsibility and how i held myself accountable and things like that those are all recent things in my life and that's probably with me getting married and having a child but at 29 i felt like a kid i was kind of just bummed out at where I am with my life at 29. Yeah. I also think specifically men go through this phase at that age. I, I always, it's like a 30 year old crisis. If you talk to, and I was like, I started witnessing it upon, happen upon myself, but I also it happened to a lot of my friends where everyone was kind of in a funk. And even, it wasn't, even if it wasn't financial related, people were just in a funk. And I think it's like this, expectations we have as people at 30 we should have been doing something because when you're young you're like by 30 i'm gonna do this and then when you haven't done any of it you're just like whoa what was one thing you wanted to do by 30 that you hadn't done it was probably all financially really like i thought i had x dollars in my bank account yeah or i thought i would have sold my business or i would have retired i wrote retired. an article i wrote an article that got published when i was 16 years old how i'm going to retire at 30 and i wrote down this amazing plan got picked up by newspapers everywhere newspapers everywhere yeah it was crazy cuz they were like <laughs> why is this 16 year old kid telling me how he's going to retire at 30 so it was kind of obnoxious yeah and and you know i started reflecting i was like i wasn't even close and I meant retirement from a financial standpoint, yeah. not from like a mind standpoint. And I was like, those things, unfortunately, you equip most of your goals with financial at that point in your life. Yeah. And so you're just in a funk at that point because you're just like, I'm not even anywhere near where I thought. In fact, I owed millions of dollars in debt in our business mm -hmm. at 29. And this is around the time that you met your wife, right? Your yeah. now wife. Yeah. So we probably met, I was probably 29 years old or 28 years old, actually. And which we hit it off immediately between my business struggling, financial things. And also, I think the first time in my life, I had like also kind of come out of my shell as a person. So I was more social. I was out and about. And so I wasn't even mature enough to handle a relationship. So I we ended up dating for a while, for a few months. And then I completely immature in the way I handled the situation. I was a selfish person. I wasn't, you know, 
truly like committed to a relationship because I was selfish. I was a selfish person at that point. Yeah. So she obviously sees that and she's like, this your child. This I'm is out. A, I'm out. I'm out. And it was like a hard cut off from both of us because for me at that time, relationships were like, didn't see the point of things lingering on. It's like, it's only going to make me feel worse. Mm. So it was a hard cut off for both of us. Don't speak for three, four years. End up kind of figuring out my business. But I really also try to figure out myself. It's like I never like thought about self-improvement or why, you know, all those things that like, I don't know, at that age I probably made fun of. Yeah. And I was like, I need to improve myself. How do I do it? And I had no idea. It wasn't like today where you just go on Instagram and 400 people are shouting at you to improve your life. So literally shouting, shouting, <laughs> I go down a, uh, I was flying back from a new year's Eve trip with my best friend. We went to India. That's I'm, one hell of a new year's Eve trip. Yeah. I have, I have taken very glamorous new year's Eve trip. That's, <laughs> that was a thing when I was single that, uh, or even before we got, we had a baby, my wife and I always did. So I would always leave the country for new year's Eve when I had no money or had, I had money, I would just do it. And we're flying back and I was reading Esquire and I see uh, the, the, the activity that all type A personalities are doing. I was like, huh, I'm going to read this article. And it said triathlons. And of course, conveniently at the next page, when you flip it over, is an ad for the Nautica Miami Beach triathlon that's happening in 12 weeks. How strategic is strategic. that? <laughs> and you didn't have Wi-Fi on the planes then. I rip the magazine, go Classic. home, and I sign up for the triathlon. And I said, I'm going to do the triathlon in 12 weeks. I tell a friend of mine, he actually ends up doing it with me. You know, it's swimming, running, biking, and things that I really, I was pretty out of shape. I was going to ask you, like, what was your experience with those activities before this point? I was active. You know, I went to the gym, but it was like a fake gym workout. Oh, like, yeah. I just equinox just as look be be seen there uh, <laughs> to see yeah. be seen yeah it wasn't actually work. i would do like 20 minutes 30 minutes on the treadmill like run slow whatever fast forward i legit train hard finished the triathlon never felt better like it was transformational in how my life changed because it started a uh snowball of things in my life one i felt really happy about myself because i was in shape I felt good. I've also looked a lot better. I looked just healthier. And then my uh, business also just so happened to work, start clicking then too. So some can say it, they're separated. I think they're connected. Oh, totally. Because your energy also attracts that. Yeah. And we end up launching Young and Reckless that year. And it takes off and makes enough money to kind of save the business. Yeah and created a ton of momentum for the next 10 years. Quick break from today's episode to give my sponsor, Athletic Greens, a little bit of love. Again, this week I was traveling to Seattle and the travel packs came in the clutch. I'll admit it, there was a little drinking going on during the evenings, but as soon as I woke up the next day, the first thing I did, just like when I'm back at home, is reach for my athletic greens, head on over to the lobby, get myself some ice, some water, mix it up, and do the damn thing. I feel like since this episode is explicit, it's okay for me to say it like that. 
Basically, Athletic Greens helps me take the guesswork out of everyday good health. 75 high efficiency bioavailable ingredients in a tasty greens powder. And I love everything about it from how it makes me feel to the taste, slightly sweet, not overly greensy as many people ask me about. And it gives me just the energy I need to handle whatever comes my way throughout the day. They are offering Hurdle listeners a special deal. It's 20 travel packs, a $79 value, absolutely free with their first purchase. Just head on over to athleticgreens.com slash hurdle. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash hurdle to grab yours today. No code necessary. Let's get back to it. I totally think that the self-confidence thing and how you present yourself and everything else, how you show up for everything else that you do are completely yeah. related. Like for me, when I lost weight in college, after I lost weight in college, it was like, okay, well now I understand that I'm worthy of my own investment. So now that I believe in that, well, like let me put my best foot forward in going for an internship and getting my first job and like whatever it was that I wanted to go get because I was like, well, I was like, I'm doing the best I can with what I have. Yeah, you know? exactly. And I think that's why as, you know, full, full circle, why we have this one club that we'll talk more about soon, but it's so transformational how your health, changes your mindset yeah totally okay so you did the triathlon things are going good and how do you and Haley reconnect we end up uh i hear through the grapevine she had broken up with a boyfriend through the grapevine yeah and i obviously at that i sent an aol instant message oh yeah wow tbt yeah and uh i was like we we always enjoyed like hiking or activities so i was like let's go for a hike we go for a hike. This is like my dream first date, by the yeah. way. I'm like waiting, like spoiler alert, if yeah. any men are listening to her at all, please ask me to go on a hike. Yeah. Maybe not like 110 New York City day, but I'm just saying yeah. we can take a train to Cold Spring, yeah. go on a hike. It's so easy. Like I feel like whenever a guy tells me that I asked a girl to go on a hike, I'm like, thank you. Like yeah. someone. It's actually much less pressure than an actual date. And you're doing something. Yeah, you're doing something and it, 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 you know, I don't know, it's a great icebreaker. Pro pro hiking. So we went on a hike, we went for lunch, we ended up getting lost, so we would get, it was a four hour hike. And <laughs> uh, after that, that was it. We were together. We, we dated for a few years, got married three years ago, and have a baby that's about to be two. Wow. Time flies when you're having fun. Yeah, and it really just, all those things all happen because I think, you know, I focused on myself first and got my shit together. Yeah. And it's pretty admirable that like your decision at the time when everything was like going to hell was like, I'm going to sign up for this triathlon yeah. instead of I'm going to party completely all of the time every single day, yeah. which I'm sure there was like some of that. But the fact that you leaned into this training for something that you would never even aspire to do off the bat yeah it's pretty dope because i felt like whenever i have uh ruts in my life i feel like i have to do a 180 and go a different direction a hard 180 yeah because yeah. i don't i don't think it makes sense to because if status quo is not working then it's time to make a change and I, we do that in our business all the time we will make the most drastic decisions that will hurt in the short term but it allowed, it's allowed us to run the same exact business for 17 years. 
and probably it'll allow us allowed to do it for 30 years. So probably. at the time when you, after the triathlon, your business is getting better, you launched Young and Reckless. Is this when Grand AC comes into the picture? No, not even. So what comes next is our subscription concept, which was called at the time 5-4 Club, mm-hmm. which we had uh, developed because we saw someone doing it in the women's space. So in 2012, we launched the club. And for 18 months after that, we just kind of learned and tested, like, how does this world work? Because we were always like wholesale. We had never sold direct to the consumer at scale. Yeah. So like, what does it look like when you merchandise and customer service and develop a website? And 2012, which is only seven years ago, but like there wasn't the tools. There wasn't as easy as Shopify is where you just sign up for a website and sell shit. Like it was hard to develop the platform that we used to build the subscription service. So we took 18 months to really understand how to do that, but we had launched it, tested, learned it, had got incredible feedback. Finally, in December of 13, we shut it all down and said, we're going to go full force with this thing. In 2014, the club just exploded. And then it exploded even more in 15 and went even crazier in 16 and 17. And that's when we were launching all these new brands. When we were like, we have this customer base that trusts us. Let's give them what else they need in their closet. Mm -hmm. So what do shoes look like? What is the shoe that complements what we make? Mm -hmm. What are the... What does this do person do in activewear? So that's when we started developing. So that's all happened really in the last two and a half, three years. Wow. That's crazy. Where does the name, and also let's, let's tell the hurdlers what Grand AC is. Uh, where does the name come from? New, uh, Grand Athletic Club is uh, the activewear brand that we launched. And Grand is where our first office was. So our first office, it was in downtown LA, Wilshire and Grand. And it was uh, my mom's travel agency. And she's <laughs> she sold, she was an Indian-focused travel agency. That's huh. where we're launching a fashion brand. <laughs> it's not easy. So Grand is, Grand is the street we were on. And I was a member of an at, a gym in downtown called the LA Athletic Club. Mm-hmm. So Grand Athletic Club is where we kind of, our humble beginnings were. Yeah, and probably easy to get a trademark like that. Exactly. <laughs> Smart. <laughs> yeah. And when you're trying to fill the holes in his closet, yeah. are you thinking a lot of pieces? Are you thinking like a few skews? Like how, where's your head's at, head at with that? So the, I'll tell you where we started. We started with a very large selection of product, which was athleisure, active, casual, performance, and... We've now gone 180 drastic and said we need to focus on making the best items that this person cannot live without. And that has ended up in, because of my personal passion of running, the perfect running short. Because I was like, I can't sit there and build this brand and we haven't nailed an item or a product yet. And after three years we've taken this really drastic approach of like, let's focus on the most essential items for a guy. Mm-hmm. And I I feel like running is the one activity that all people can participate in because there's no financial barrier. Yeah. And even though not everyone runs, the idea of being active is the kind of foundation of it. But to me, for guys at least, it starts with a great pair of shorts that they can 
feel comfortable in mm-hmm. and can enhance their movements and then start there, build that up and then scale from there. So now it's come full circle down to a pair of shorts. Just one pair of shorts. Yeah. Oh. We still sell a full collection, but we are relaunching around one short. Okay. And then we'll launch the perfect socks, then the perfect t-shirt, and slowly build it back up. Are you getting a lot of feed? So through this, you've started a run club. Correct. What's the deal with the run club? So about two years ago, this British guy, Luke, came to my office, unrelated to running, was asking us about what we're doing on partnerships for 5-4, ended up saying, hey, I see you have an activewear brand. Have you ever thought about doing a run club? And I'm like, I personally love running. I run by myself today. I would love to be a part of a run club. I just don't have time to run it. If you will coordinate it, I'm happy to show up wherever the run club is every weekend. We end up starting the run club the week my wife is supposed to go into labor with our first child. (laughs) And I was like, man, this is a rough time, but whatever. So I show up to the first run club. I think 10 people show up. And I was like, wow, 10 people just off Instagram showed up to come running. We start this club and you know some days we have 10 some days we have three then we have 10 then we have 15 and then all of a sudden people are going to lunch together and people are becoming friends and there's birthday parties and i go to the birthday party i was like everyone's from the run club and fast forward a year goes by really tight relationships it's like to me the next generation of it's what I would have loved to have at 23, 24. Yeah. So it's all these really young, young people. And then there's like the older set, which I'm part of, which are kind of like mentoring these people. Nothing in particular, but just feels like life. It could be people. We talk about relationship stuff. We're talking about business. We're talking about opportunities, how to deal with certain situations. And now to me, it's become like this incredible community that, is actually creating things. The first business is launched out of the run club. Two guys met because of running and launched a CBD electrolyte brand, drink drink brand. There are a partnerships. I've hired several people from the run club for full-time jobs. Uh, when I travel now, I always post where we're meeting and we, we get a random group of people. Yeah. And to me, I think when it's all said and done, this will be the greatest thing I'll ever do. The run club. Yes. That's dope. Because it's, it just feels special. Like when you go out and run and like the people I'm meeting and the communities we're creating and it's like all over the country. We were just in Chicago last weekend. Hot as shit. I didn't think anyone would even come. 12, 13 people showed up. We all went to breakfast and it breaks down. You know, the problem in today's world, we all think the other person's so different and we have nothing in common with them. And then you go and you travel the country and you meet all these people. And that's something that I've done. And it's helped me better my business because ultimately everyone's exactly the same. It's just how you communicate to them. And I'm meeting all these different walks of life, different backgrounds. And I live in my little bubble and that's how I choose to live my life. But I'm fully aware of everything that's going on on in our country. Yeah. And that's because of the run club. It's because I'm running with people from all different backgrounds. We have like 20 year olds that sometimes have to sleep in their truck. And then there's people that, you know, the wealthiest people on earth that all these different walks of life are running together. 
Well, that's what I think is so special, especially when you go to watch a marathon. Yeah. It's like, what other event yeah. ever do all of these people come out to cheer on each other? And it doesn't matter what you look like, what your religion is, yeah. what your parents look like, what your sexual preference is. Yeah. Everyone's just there to be happy because running requires no language and it doesn't matter how fast or how slow yeah. or whatever. Like you're all just there to do something that you love. Yeah, it's so powerful. And the club, I think for me, is just become like how I'm going to build the community. Because one thing I do like about it is it is a filter. Like if you're not willing to take the time to come run, then... It's hard. How can how can I give you my time if you can't if you're not willing to at least take that leap and you want something from me or want yeah. something from the community, you should be participating in it. Yeah. I'm not asking for money. Right. I give my time. That is what I give the most of to everyone is my time. Yeah. You can't give the time on a Saturday morning, 30, 45 minutes to yeah. come run, walk, whatever, because it's not about running. That's the last thing it's actually about. But everyone thinks it's about running. So yeah. they get intimidated and never come. And then the, they take that leap one day and they're addicted. I also think it's because you went through a time where you were willing to do a lot of self-improvement. So someone that's not even willing to show up to run, whether it's, you know, like a 5K or a 10K or whatever it is. Yeah. It's like you see in them that maybe they're not ready to put in the work and those aren't the kind of people that you want to mess with. Exactly. You, if you, you want to be an entrepreneur and you want to if you want to be an entrepreneur, you need to be able to talk to anyone deal with anything and you need to be able to run because you know why <laughs> what if one day someone comes to you and says hey i'd love to uh hear about your business let's go for a run or biking or sailing or whatever are you willing to do anything it's not about running it's just like are you what are you willing to do to to improve your business or yeah. your to take a chance on life it's like i'm willing to do anything yeah and i've always proven that i'm willing to do anything so if you're not, if you think I can be an impact on you in some way, but you won't come run, then you're an idiot. <laughs> Plain it's and simple. Simple. Idiot. Idiot. <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by Whoop, the performance tool that is changing the way people track their fitness and optimize their training. So the wrist-worn heart rate monitor gives you a lot of daily personalized insights and analytics into things like recovery and strain and sleep. It pairs with a super in-depth app that you can look over all of your data right on your cell phone. And what I'm really digging lately is the sleep tracking. Now, every morning when you wake up, the app processes your sleep and gives you a sleep score. And I feel like every single day I'm trying to gamify that sleep score, trying to get it in the green, which is good and just get the most quality out of the time that I'm spending in bed. The average Whoop user has dedicated an additional 41 minutes of sleep per night because they're probably trying to do the exact same thing as me. Whoop is offering her to listeners a really awesome deal, guys. You've got to jump on this. Not only do you get the new Whoop Strap 3.0 absolutely free, but you also get 15% off a membership package. So head on over to whoop.com. That's W-H-O-O-P.com and use the code hurdle at checkout to save 15% off the membership package and optimize the way you train. Let's get back to it.
So I know you said at first that you didn't really want to be involved in like all the logistics, but when yeah. you travel, have you taken that more upon yourself? Yeah, because I, I don't, I, I'd never, now when I do travel, people will DM me like, hey, are you doing a run when yeah. you're in Paris? Are you doing, and even if it's like one person, I'm like, yeah, I'll run. Let's go for it. Yeah. Because it's, it's so fascinating, the people I've met. And I think it's a similar to when, why you meet people for a drink and, and specifically alcohol. It's because once you have a, a drink, all of a sudden, you're, that liquid courage comes, right? And now you're able to talk free yeah. or, or whatever. Same thing with the run. In the mornings at the run, everyone's pretty quiet, not very friendly. Everyone's just like, all right, let's get this damn thing going. At the end, everyone's bouncing off the wall because they just did a run. Your endorphins are pumping and you are all of a, it's so social. Like yeah. yesterday, last night we did a run. I was in a shitty mood. I was like, all right, let's get this thing going start and then afterwards we're all talking hanging out and it's them everyone's mood has changed so it's like i think the running or exercising post exercise kind of creates an environment to communicate better they actually just opened a bar in new york that's like focused on running like they have lockers and stuff uh for people to stash their stuff so you can like go run come back and drink oh wow yeah that's amazing the new that's, thing that sounds that's my whole life <laughs> i mean geez <laughs> <laughs> they need to open one here. Yeah. Maybe that's your next business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. Okay, so so you launched this athletic brand and it seems to be doing well and, and it's it's good. Yeah, it's look, it's we're also able to scale things back and take a very long-term perspective on a business. We started too fast, grew it too fast, didn't make sense. We scaled it all the way back and now we're rebuilding it the right way. Yeah. It's it, it those are the drastic changes we're willing to make. We still believe in the brand. There's other projects we've shelved and said, hey, this doesn't make sense. We don't, it's not worth pursuing anymore. Yeah. So now that you're finding so much passion in this aspect of your business, do you feel like you're shifting your attention away a little bit from other things or how do you distribute that? Yeah. I mean, I think emotionally, I wish it was a bigger part of my life, but reality is it unfortunately doesn't pay the bills. Right. So... The subscription business is what pays the bills. Five four is what pays the bills. So you know, in the office, my energy is spent focusing on those things. Mm -hmm. But externally, running is probably the thing I'm most excited about, and the club and the community. But it all—it's all interchangeable. When I go hang out with club members outside of running, guess what they're wearing? They're wearing five four. They're wearing New Republic. So it's all—it's working. Yeah. The community is spreading and it's slowly growing. So the efforts aren't going unnoticed. It just takes time. I have to point out also following you a little bit and knowing that you're learning more about like run culture and different sneakers. And are you wearing a Fitbit right now? No, I took no. it off today. Took yeah. it off today. Yeah. I know, but you're like experimenting with different things. What's yeah. been like your favorite thing that you've experimented with over the past couple of years of running? Um, I think it's stuff like, I mean, I've tried every shoe brand. Yeah. And I've landed on Hoka's. You ran the marathon, right? The yeah. LA marathon? Yes. Uh, did you run them in Hoka's? I did. And I was training in ASICs. Okay. And 10 weeks before the marathon, someone from Hoka showed up to the run club and gave me a pair of shoes and said, hey, we'd love for you to try these. I'm yeah. Like, okay. So I went for a long run in them and I felt great. And I was like, wow, that's interesting. And I think things like that, because now physical preservation as I get older is so much important. <laughs> yeah. And so I've tried, I try, I do cryo now. 
I'm like, that's something I'm actually going to do today. Mm-hmm. Um, because things like that, recovery and maintaining my, like, I want to be able to run till I'm 100. You've got to get a Theragun. Yeah, th- th- yeah, Theraguns. I just can't do it to myself because it hurts. I just like stop. You're very lucky that you have a wife to help you. Yeah, with yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've had uh, Dr. Jason on the podcast. Okay, He's like amazing. a good friend of mine. Okay, yeah, great. but I, I swear, every yeah. Saturday after my long run, I'm like, thank you, yeah. God, for this product. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. There's so many great things out there. If you, we've done, we do, we've done yoga sessions in the room we're in right now with a specific person, a stretcher for runners, and yeah, you know, you just when you're hurting, you try everything. Yeah, you do. <laughs> and also, I mean, back to your sneaker note. So the research shows actually that like it doesn't matter how your foot hits the ground, like what your running gait is or anything like that. All the biggest thing that matters most in preventing injury is that you feel comfortable in the sneakers you're running in. So if like that one run, you went out in those hokas and it was like a great run and you were like, wow, I feel great. Then like mentally, like you're golden, you know, but that could have happened in an Asics or a Nike or, you know, whatever. It's just, it's totally personal preference. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's super interesting. Will you ever run a mar- another marathon? Not anytime soon. Yeah. It's too much of a time commitment. Um, Huge opportunity cost. Yeah, exactly. So for me, given that I have a family now and how much time it took away from them during the training process, and it's you're also exhausted, you know, go run 15 miles and then hang out with your kid is like impossible. Yeah. And so I think I'd do one again later in life if I had the time, mm-hmm. I'll definitely do half marathons all the time. Yeah. Um, to me, like I can just go run in a half marathon. Yeah. It's not a big stretch for me. Uh, and I think it'll be more fun and the recovery is not that needed and it's just, and it's fun to do. Yeah. I love going to a race and doing it, but I don't, I didn't enjoy, I, by the time I ran the marathon, I hated running. Yeah. And I told myself if I hated running, then I would never do the marathon again. Mm. And I, I felt that like, I was like, I'm sick of running. I think a lot of people get burnt out, especially yeah. like when you're about to conquer that kind of distance and you've been doing it so much. Yeah, it became a job. Yeah. And that's not what it's to me. Running to me is like alcohol. Like I like to have a drink and I like to have a run. Yeah. Maybe not at the same time. Yeah. maybe not <laughs> at the same time. Um, okay. So then what's on the radar for like what's to come aside from this run short for you? Like what are you excited about right now? I it think- could be anything. Yeah, I think the most exciting things that are happening are are around our podcast group chat. Yeah. Uh, we have something that's super special. It's also a community. I think it also comes down to that community is the underlying theme of everything that I want to do going forward. And it's amazing when I go to, I was just in Chicago and I met people that listen to group chat, are Menlo Club customers and are running our challenge that we're currently doing. So it's like, that to me is like the trifecta. I found my community. I just need a million of them yeah. like that. And uh, and the podcast has so much momentum and it's creating this audience of people that we never could probably reach through advertising or through other forms of content. And it's completely in our control. Yeah, No one's gonna tell me what I can say, what I can do, who can listen to it. And I'd always been in the mercy of other people, whether it was retailers, whether it was press, media, like people like, how come you're not in Forbes? Because I'm like, I don't give a fuck what Forbes thinks. It does. It's irrelevant. It doesn't affect my business. And I want to control my narrative. I want to control my audience. I want to tell them my side of the story. 
on everything. And now I don't have to rely on anyone. Yeah. I'm going to slowly build our audience. So if that becomes a television show, which we're in the works on, or if it becomes a platform online where our listeners can all connect with each other. There's just that to me is the most exciting thing. It's so powerful because if we build it at scale, it's a very unique offering to actually have direct contact to your audience. We never had that. We were always a mercy of a platform. Right. And I think that's really special too, because you've understood, you've come to understand the most important part of creating your own thing in that it's being authentically yourself. When you try to speak a certain way or feel like you should act a certain way or embody a certain presence to satisfy a certain brand, like that's when you lose that genuine connection that you are cultivating successfully with group chat. Like I turn on group chat because I like want to catch up on the news and like hear it shot to me straight. I don't want bias or I mean, and obviously like you guys all have your own opinions, but I don't want any of that shit. Like I want to get it straight hear about things that I'm interested in and I think that's like what makes what you guys doing so excellent thank you yeah appreciate that and I think that that's the beauty of today's media anyone can go do that yeah there's no barrier to entry I mean like we talked about it you know previous times when we started we we didn't have any listeners it was a struggle even even drama short story long I he did it for 18 months before I think he got a thousand downloads yeah. And then it all of a sudden took off. And he had a following. Yeah. He had millions of followers across platforms and he still couldn't even get a shortcut. So it's just about dedicating to to that and then slowly building the audience. And I think what we're doing in group chat is so special. And just the impact has had on people and the way they're connecting with us is so special. So to me, that's the most exciting thing. I'd love to see in five years where it all goes. I could be completely wrong and it goes a completely different direction, (laughs) but it's going somewhere. Yeah. Put it like that. Which is promising. Yeah. Uh, When you look back on the last, uh, I mean, how long has it been since you launched 5.4? 17 years. All right. So 17 years is a hell of a decent amount of time. Yeah. Uh, when you look back on that amount of time and what you've done with the business so far, what would you say one of the best pieces of advice that someone has offered you has been? I haven't really gotten a lot of good advice. Really? Um, I would say I got told to do things, but not. I don't feel like I had someone that was like coaching me along the way. But the things that I've pulled as like a through line from a lot of different people that they just had a roundabout way of saying it has been focus. Like you got to nail one thing. You don't need to nail a hundred things. And in whether it's me focusing on one of our brands or whether it's me focusing in a brand on one particular category, it's just about focus. And Time and time again, that has been a mistake we've done. We've lacked focus. And I think 17 years later, we are learning how to be focused. I also think that's like the saying, if you're trying to be a leader for everyone, you're a leader for no one. Correct. So, yeah, just like establishing the things that you really feel like are worth your attention and your energy and giving them what you have. Exactly. And now like with our brands and our businesses, it's like, Everything is slow motion. I could see it. it's like a baseball player seeing a pitch come slow. There's a, when you're at that the peak of your career, it just feels like or a basketball player shooting baskets. You just know it's going in. 
And I finally feel like I'm at that point. Where the baskets are going in. Where I'm like, I know I'm going to shoot this shot and it's 100% going in. Where I'd never, I don't, I didn't have that till probably the last two years. Yeah. Soon after you became a man. Yes. It, <laughs> it all kind of coincides. Yeah. It's even like the money you make and how you handle yourself and how you handle life. Like the way I'm handling life today is just better than I would have handled life 10, five, 10 years ago. And I mean, this is also in sync with like when you had your first kid. Yes. So like it's all in sync with marriage and, and children. Yeah. Because you, I mean, you have to have a partner also that pushes you that way. My wife has definitely pushed me to like step your game up. Yeah. You know, and I think that's allowed me to also hold myself more accountable. And then once you have a child, it's, it's a game changer. Your yeah. life changes. All thing. Yeah. I know you mentioned that you didn't really feel like there was any one specific person that was like constantly giving you good advice, but do you now feel like you are that person for other people? I'm that person for a shit ton of people. Yeah. And I feel very responsible to give them good information and good advice. Do you feel overwhelmed by that? Yeah, sometimes because it is, sometimes I don't have the answer for them. That's where I actually feel overwhelmed. I don't, I'm not overwhelmed by the number of people who ask me, I'm okay with that. I'm comfortable with that. I actually feel that that is my duty as an entrepreneur that has had success. But I don't, I sometimes people ask me stuff and I'm like, damn, I don't, I'll just be honest. I'm like, I don't know what to do. Like, you kind of, you might be fucked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I'd rather you yeah. tell me that up front than be like, oh, I have this great solution for you. And in the back of your head, you're yeah. like, yeah, this girl is. Yeah, no and I way. think and I think the reality is is a lot of it is just it's coaching from a mental standpoint on how to get through a situation. It's like I wish someone was helping me with that stuff. Like when I got frustrated, to have a sounding board is so powerful. It's like mentorship is real if you find the right person. Yeah. It can be so impactful. Yeah. You know, like today I have people where I feel comfortable sharing information with and I'm like, all right, give it to me straight. But previously, I didn't have that. And I also feel like it's really special when that mentorship becomes then like a two-way conversation and that now, I mean, when I started getting closer with my mentor, it was a, a friend of my cousin's and I would go to him for advice constantly. But as I've gotten older, you know, I've known him for eight, nine years now. We sat down the other night in Santa Monica and had dinner and I was the one that was offering him my opinion on like something that he was doing. So I yeah. just feel like, that's like when you understand just like the true benefit of that situation oh, yeah. is when it just becomes such a two-way street. Yeah, and I, you know, a lot of the young people that ask me for advice, I ask them all the time for stuff now. Yeah. I'm comfortable. I'm also very confident and secure. I have no problem going to a 19 year old and be like, what do you think about this? I'm trying to do this. Do you think it's a good idea? Yeah. Because like, I don't want to miss, I don't care. You're shooting your shot. Yeah. Like if, <laughs> if I have to ask an 18-year-old kid to help me, I have no problem doing that now. You got to put your pride aside and just go for what yeah, you want. Yeah, but I'm, I think that's part of being an adult. You get over that. Yeah. All right, we're winding down here. So the question I wrap up with every time, you have an opportunity right now to give the D a piece of advice who's going through that tough time, the you had money, you don't have money. Haley's like, I want nothing to do with you. I'm all set. You're yeah. not the best. Mm-hmm. You have an opportunity to give that guy one piece of advice right now. What do you tell him? Just be patient. Because you can fix 
if you're an open-minded person, so like people always say you can't teach an old dog new tricks. And I think most people, unfortunately, as they get older, become very fixed in their ways and they're stubborn. And I would say I'm very similar like that on a lot of different things. But for whatever reason, I've constantly been evolving as a person. And the, the, the best thing about what I've experienced life now, I would say I've been an adult now for 20 years. Patience is the most powerful thing because people get so frustrated when they fail and it leads to so much anxiety, so depression, a downward spiral in life. But when you really look at the long scheme of life, it was just a, it's just a bump in the road. That's all it is. And if you're patient, have a positive attitude, you'll get through it. Like you can get through anything. Like success and failure and all these things are all relative to perspective that you view yourself in. So my thing is just patience. Even now, now I'm like too patient. I'll start something, it fails. I'm like, oh, it's going to take 10 years. <laughs> what can I do? <laughs> but like, but like I have a very, I, and I, I actually thought I was a pretty patient person when I was younger, but now knowing what I have uh, done now, it's like, just be patient, positive attitude, you'll get through it. Patience, that's it. Awesome. Yeah. Dee, thanks so much for sitting down with me. Cool. Thanks for having me. Please take a moment and leave a quick review by clicking the link with the description to this episode. We all face multiple hurdles in life. I want to hear about yours. Reach out to me at emily at hurdle.us. Connect with the podcast, Instagram, Twitter, at hurdle podcast. Dee, tell me all the places they can find you. On Instagram and Twitter, at dmurthy. I'm trying to be more active on LinkedIn, so I'm on there. My <laughs> name as well. And group chat pod. Group chat pod, wherever you get your podcasts. Yes. Awesome. I am at Emily Abadi. Another hurdle conquered. Catch you guys next time. <laughs>